California parents want to get more involved with the school board to have more input on what's being taught in the school curriculum. So it's really a war. It's really serious. Many school districts hate the people they are serving because they're there because some union pushed them into power or they felt that they had an entitlement. Not all school districts are bad. About 80% are bad. My guest today is Sean Steele, former California GOP chair. Today he'll explain the impact of politics on the school board and what's causing parents to take action. The union leaders pay off and pay for the elections of their candidates. Millions of dollars. Now, why would you spend millions of dollars unless you're gonna get a good return on investment? Because they, that same school board negotiates with the union later on for their annual pay increases. I'm CMI Korami. Welcome to California Insider. I'm glad to be here. These are important subjects, and I hope everybody in California hears the message. Now, some California parents are frustrated with the schools and school boards, and there's a movement uh, to get a lot of them elected in the school board. But before we get into the movement, can you tell us why these parents are upset with what's going on in the schools? It's not some parents, most parents. And it's not just California, but it's from Maine to Hawaii, Alaska to Florida. There's an outrage and a prairie fire, but it became obvious with the election in Virginia on November 2nd of last year, just six, six months ago. And there was a, a contest for governor and Terry McAuliffe, the governor was supposed to win handily. Uh, he was the, the Democrat incumbent. And then uh, his opponent, Youngkin, uh, started siding with the parents because there was all this controversy, uh, you know, why, why isn't, aren't the schools opening and why are they requiring these particular texts? And the parents were doing something for two years. They were watching online the Zoom what the, parent, what the children were being taught and they couldn't believe their eyes. They heard rumors, now they see it in real time. And they saw that, that the instruction was inferior, not good as a classroom, but they actually, for the first time, were active participants in seeing the curriculum of their kids. So McClintoff started the revolution, if you, the political revolution. Says, he said in the debate two weeks before the election, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. That was the end of his career. When it, we reached a point that a politician- He was a governor, right? Yes. When you reach the point that the politicians tell the parents, you don't have any business telling the teachers what to teach. They got it backwards. They got it upside down, and he lost. This was Bill Clinton's closest friend. He was a fundraiser for Clinton. He was the DNC national chairman. He was a very powerful force. He was going to run for president in 2024. That's all over and done with. Now we have a new dynamic in Virginia. They elected not only, they threw out the attorney general, they threw out the lieutenant governor. It's a remarkable new age and the legislature changed. And then just a couple of months later, on uh, February 15th in San Francisco, the most, arguably one of the most liberal cities on earth, certainly in America, with 80% Democrat registration, Republicans need not apply for anything. The parents there threw out the school board on a recall election because the progressives there had just about done everything to destroy and belittle that school district. And it was mostly run by immigrants or second generation immigrants, mostly foreign born, mostly people uh, of color that engineered that, that changeover. It was a remarkable 
transition. We had an interview with one of the leaders of that recall movement. And, on and it probably wasn't white. I mean, it's, he it, was Indian. He yes, was from India. Yeah. Right. And and so then we found that just a couple of weeks later, on February twenty second, in a little district, uh, Oakley Union Elementary School District. This is a great quote. Uh, parents were at a board meeting and they were saying, why don't you open the schools? Why are you teaching this? They were asking questions because parents used to never have anything to do with school board hearings. So one of the school board members says, and he thought he was, she thought she was off the mic. She didn't think anybody was listening. And she's, she's told the other board members, that B, if you're gonna call me out, I'm gonna F you up, sorry. That's just me, end quote. Everybody heard it. Everybody heard it. And then the president of the school board said, well, it's very unfortunate that they want to pick on us because they want their babysitters back, end quote. In 24 hours, they resigned. It was embarrassing. They're, they hated parents. They called the parents caregivers. They think they're the experts. They think they're the geniuses. But it was so obvious that that school board was poisoned with really bad people. Most of them were elected by the teachers union because the teachers union wants to control the person who now, pays them. The question here is why are these school boards are working like this? Why is there no collaboration between them? Why is there this tension between parents and the school boards? Well, first of all, um, the experts don't like commoners like parents. The experts that go to the finer schools think that they really have the answers that normal people don't have. I'll give you an example. On April 26, just, you know, just a few weeks ago, there was a Zoom conference of elementary school teachers. It was for gender inclusion classrooms. Now this is gender inclusion for elementary school kids. So it's basically sex education. So this uh, Kiernan uh, Slattery, who's a fifth grade teacher in Massachusetts, says, ignore, the, I ignore the caregivers, quote, in quote. He says, I'm a white, queer, transsexual man, quote, in quote. And he, and, and these element, these are teachers, tenured teachers, they were on a conference call on Zoom. It's fully recorded. It was April 26th this year. You can look it up. And they're basically saying the parents are not really relevant. We're going to teach these children to like gay and trans people. We're going to tell them about the bodily functions of third graders. We're going to teach them to be inclusive. We're going to teach them to be open-minded and not to listen to their parents. They're doing this because they can. The schools have been infiltrated deeply by people that aren't even very good teachers, uh, but they're propagandists. And then my favorite, the newest one, just days ago, Scottsdale parents in Arizona sued the school district because the school district was spying on the parents. They had dossiers, electronic dossiers wow. on the parents who went to the school board meetings. And the uh, name of that school board president is uh, Jan Greenberg, and he was forced to resign when it became clear that they were monitoring, like the FBI, parents who objected to that. So it's really a war. It's really serious. Many school districts hate the people they are serving because they're there because some union pushed them into power or they felt that they had an entitlement. Not all school districts are bad. About 80% are bad. And that, that means a lot. Take it. So why is that? One of the points that the San Francisco recallers brought up mm -hmm. is that this 
school board in San Francisco has become a launching pad for politicians. Mm -hmm. You want to get into politics, you go into a school board, and then from there you can go run for the county supervisor. And, well, that's um, how Governor Jerry Brown launched his career. He ran for school board in Los Angeles. Uh, and yeah, many, ha some have, but much more than that, it's, it's, if you are, um, if you're running a union and your job is to get as much money and benefits for your members, you have to figure out ways of how to negotiate. Well, the biggest conflict of interest, I think, in California, many, many states, but California politics, a union should not be able to pay off politicians that negotiate with them later on for their salaries. Can you explain to us what is the role of a school board and how it, why is it so important? The school board is a, a group of citizens that live in an area that serves students that need to get public education. Uh, they, it's not a full-time job. They serve as advisors. They serve, uh, they hire the superintendent who then hires staff. Uh, they review teacher complaints. They review the curriculum. Uh, and we have two, we have a thousand school districts in California. Most people don't know that. So this board is kind of essentially like a company, right? They hire the CEO mm -hmm. of, or the right. main leader of that school. But uh, you gotta system. get elected to it. You have to get elected and, to this and, board. And, and many of these school districts will just have a few thousand students. So you could just walk your neighborhood and you've met most of the, uh, uh, most of the uh, uh, constituents. So if you have a thousand school districts, that means they have to be elected every four years. That's the law in California. And they're all elected in November. And this year, half of those school boards will have elections in California. And that's the greatest opportunity for school reform we've had in our lives. So how much power these school boards have? So if you had a board that wanted to keep the schools open in California, would they do that yeah. in their district? Give you an example. In San Juan Capistrano has the sixth largest school district in the state. And that's down in Mission Viejo, San Juan Capistrano, Dana Point, that area. It's a very good school district. They have a lot of smart kids that go from there. They never close down. The school board and the superintendent wanted to keep the students in the class, and they did. They never shut down. All the other school districts, 99% of them shut down, but 25,000 students went to school, didn't get sick, the teachers didn't get sick, they, brought, they got their vaccinations, it was life normal, and those kids did not lose two precious years of their education. So we know it can be done. It just wasn't done because the board members of other school districts didn't have the will. They either were totally subservient to the unions, not wanting to work, not wanting to teach, not wanting to do anything, just getting a big paycheck every month and doing nothing, or they just went along with the experts because they didn't have enough understanding of what their responsibility as a school board member was. And, it, and if there was one school board member says, no, we should keep them open, they were chastised, ridiculed, and insulted. And so it was a tough environment and it turns out the schools that close down, the schools that have propaganda, the schools that do critical race theory were wrong, completely wrong. And parents know that today. Now you mentioned the unions. What's their role in this? How do they fit into the? Well, let's take uh, uh, just a typical union. Let's take, uh, well, uh, we'll take the biggest one, 
Los Angeles Unified School District, one of the most corrupt, one of the most disruptive. Most of the students don't graduate from high school. It's a failed system. And yet there's seven board seats and the unions put up millions of dollars directly union money that is taken away from the teachers. The union leaders pay off and pay for the elections of their candidates. Millions of dollars. Now, why would you spend millions of dollars unless you're going to get a good return on investment? Because they, that same school board negotiates with the union later on for their annual pay increases. How is that not a conflict of interest? It is Does a it conflict, but it's legal. And one of the great reforms we meet, need to make is like, like there, we have all kinds of campaign restrictions. Corporations can't give money to politicians. Uh, you can't give more than $2,900 for a candidate for Congress, and that's personal money. These are federal laws, and most people buy it. Uh, but in California, in most states, it's unlimited. So the teacher unions can, can pick, depending on how much money they spend, they can pick who is going to be their boss. Exactly. It's a beautiful system. It ought to be illegal. Not only should unions be prohibited, teacher unions prohibited from supporting their own candidates financially. They can walk in the door, they can, they can, they, they can uh, carry signs, uh, but they shouldn't be financing the campaign, but neither should the contractors. Contractors are another big source. They want to get the jobs to building the buildings. For so the contractors, schools, right? Is that yeah, contractors put money in. That ought to be illegal to anybody that profits from the school district. These are billion dollar organizations statewide, billions and billions for six million students. People that profit should not be able to have influence, and they shouldn't be able to buy it off. So basically, most of the school board members are bought off one way or the other, but they can't take on a thousand school districts and 2,800 elections this November. And so everywhere in California, every Californian has two school districts that they live in. And so my message is, if there's a message at all, everybody listening to this, think to themselves, talk to their families, maybe you should run for school board. Everybody listening, why not? If you're a parent, if you're a concerned citizen, if you're getting good information like, like this program, if you pay attention to the issues, maybe it's time for you to think about it, but there's a deadline. And how hard is it? When is the deadline and how hard is it to get elected? Yeah, the deadline, the first day you can file with the county recorder's office, like any other political office, it's July 18th. You announce that you're running, you gotta get some signatures, usually 30 or 40 signatures of neighbors who are registered to vote. And the last day to turn in the papers is August 12th. So there's a lot of time, months from now, to have a serious effort, and you don't need a lot of money. You know, when you're running for Congress or Senate, that's a whole bunch of money. School board, it's shoe leather, this guy, this is what makes the difference. Knocking on doors, talking to people, and then creating coalitions with veteran groups, uh, with social groups, with PTAs, with other parents, uh, charter school people, because they can vote in those elections too, and create coalitions. And then maybe if there's uh, three openings in Newport Mesa, maybe have three good candidates that everybody agrees to and they run as a team. This is happening in Riverside, it's happening in the Central Valley, it's hap happening in Northern California. It's pretty exciting. And that's, that's what we're talking about. And we even have a newsletter that we 
that, uh, you know, no, no charge for that, but we're trying to get people to understand that they can take the school district themselves by working with their neighbors. And what, is, what kind of people should run based on what you guys have said? Well, seen? there's four steps. Our newsletter, by the way, thank you for asking, is parentrevolt.com. Parentrevolt.com, free. We've got a lot of articles in it, some from Epic Times, uh, good information. But here are the four steps. One, we need a recruit between now and July 18th. Recruit quality person. The profile that I'm looking for, somebody, parents are good. Somebody that, were, that had children are good. Somebody that's socially engaged and maybe knows something about a budget. Because we're talking, even a small district has Big dollars going millions into this. and Half millions. Half of our state budget is going to education. That's right, that's right. Uh, so so they, ought to be, they ought to be aware, and it shouldn't be just on one issue. They ought, to be, they ought to know something about critical race theory and how divisive it is and how racially uh, terrible it is. They ought to know, uh, they ought to be, have great compassion for children and respect for parents. Uh, they should be willing to give up their time because it's it's you know it's it's a semi part time job, but if you do your job, it's going to take a lot of time. Uh, and they should be uh, they should be uh, personable. They shouldn't be angry. They shouldn't be you know trying to get even, trying to get even score. But they ought to have really thick skin, thick skin too. Next, they got to get trained. Learn about your district. Learn about what the issues are there. Spend that extra time. Go to school board meetings. Just show up and listen. And thirdly, you gotta get elected. And our newsletter, parentrevolt.com, will help you get elected. We'll give you the tools, the training, how to raise money. And then most importantly, after you get elected, you have to learn how to govern. You can govern as a minority, keep raising good points, being clear about it, recruit more candidates for 2024, or if you have a majority, and we'll get a lot of majorities, then think clearly what your first actions are. Some school districts are so bad, so jaded, the first thing you do, this will surprise you, the very first meeting that you have, if you have a majority, you fire the lawyers immediately. The lawyers are in lockstep. They get fat contracts. They don't do much work. They're pro-labor. Do, do they control this? The board they scare the board to death. Oh, if you do that, uh, you're, you won't get medical insurance. If you do that, that's unconstitutional. They just make up stuff. So if you have a hostile district that's been bad to parents and children, it's always the lawyers that are goading and intimidating. Giving advice, right? Fire them and get a pro uh, parent uh, law firm. And there are plenty out there and we can help you with that. So you fire the lawyers and sometimes you have to fire the superintendent that's been serving the, the unions all these years, you know, letting bad teachers teach, having bad curriculum, uh, not uh, listening to parents very well. So you might have to make some big changes like that. Also, what about the pay? Is there any compensation for this? Or not is much. Volunteer? Not much. Uh, you know, you, you get per diem. It varies from school district to school district. It could be two to $500 a meeting. Uh, some school districts will get you full medical insurance. Uh, so there's some benefits. Every school district, let me tell you, if you're paying off the unions and giving them a lot of money, many of those school board members want to get a little more deba for themselves. They want to get something. For, so there's probably some very good benefits. I don't think you go there to make money, 
the idea is it's a voluntary position with a little bit of compensation for your time, but it's not now, a full-time salary. Now, is this movement Republican, Democrat, nonpartisan? What's going on? Well, luckily, we passed laws and way back over 100 years ago in 1911. These are nonpartisan jobs. So anybody interested in running for these school boards, I'm not going to ask you your party affiliation. We expect there's a lot of pro-school choice Democrats that will never allow their kids go to public schools because they're dangerous, they're unfit, they're unsanitary, depending on where you live. Uh, we have a lot of uh, independents that are very concerned about their, the quality of their children's education, and of course, Republicans. It's nonpartisan. There won't be an R or a D or any of that on the ballot. It will be say who you are, what you're doing. For example, in West Riverside County, there's a very dynamic group of parents running for four different school districts. They already got their candidates, they got campaign literature. One is a firefighter woman. Another is a, a man as a teacher in elementary school. Another one is a professor uh, at a, a community college. Another one is a, is a business, Hispanic business owner. I mean, it's just regular folks that are running for these positions and they're working together very closely. And there's groups like that all over California. We can help coordinate that. And what about some parents are concerned about what's going on in the curriculum mm -hmm. and the way, so I know some parents that have kids that are really smart, very intelligent, they're above their grade level and now there's no special classes for them anymore. Well, that's the newest thing. We saw this starting in, remember Virginia had this revolution. They just knocked out the governors for saying that parents should have nothing to do with, you know, the curriculum and the teaching. And one of those districts, uh, Loudoun School District, Loudoun County in Virginia, they did away with uh, a merit system to get into an elite school for the brightest kids. And they said, that's just unfair. It's always Asians. All these Asians are getting all those positions. Well, I don't care if you're Martian. If you're passing the grade, if you're getting the, uh, you, you get the highest numbers, you're doing well and you're diligent and you study hard. I don't care if they're 100% Martians. It's based on merit, not on, not on good looks, not on race, not on who you know, not on wealth at all. And so uh, parents are seeing that these special schools for really bright kids or maybe artistic schools for kids that are inclined to be artists, they're going away because they're trying to make everybody the same and they're lowering standards. And let, let me tell you, most, most of my friends that have come from other countries find that our math is so imbecilically silly. You get a kid from Korea or a kid from Czechoslovakia, and as soon as they come into school at sixth grade or eighth grade, their mathematical skills are much higher than the Americans. Uh, and, and there's a reason for that because too many of our teachers don't know math or they're more interested in transgender equality issues. And of course there's good teachers, but I'm afraid half of them are not that good. And, and it's, it's an easy job for the ones that are lazy. I am a teacher, I'm a certified teacher myself. Uh, I have a, a credential for teaching high school. Uh, and I love teaching, and I do it all, all the time in my professional capacity uh, as a teacher to postgraduates, to students. I'm just, but, but there's too many teachers that are not engaged in trying to become the best they can. Parents have a right to be able to judge 
the merit of a teacher. They have the right to see what the curriculum is. They have a right if, if for special ed, kids that have disabilities should be given special consideration. Kids that have uh, advanced uh, 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 and they're very smart, they should be given special opportunities. Kids that uh, have artistic inclinations, they should be able to go to a special school. But many of the progressors, the, the woke generation is doing away with that. The people that are running the school systems now, mm -hmm. the people in charge, do they think that they know a lot more than parents? If you, if you interviewed them honestly, and they were willing to be candid with you, 90% are pretty sure they know far more than any parent will ever know. They'll tell you about all the time they spend in school, studying, they get all the training and retraining, they're constantly thinking about it. But what happens is they live in a bubble. They live in a bubble. One of the most, sadly, one of the most demeaning corrupt places in the American university system are departments of education. They're run by progressives. They're run by nuts, people that don't even teach. They're, t they're, they're worried about, the, here's what we call the die system. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's not. You know, and, that, and they have people at UCLA, there's 40 of them at UCLA, die officers. They wanna, they're spying on teachers. They're seeing who's not being friendly to equality concerns, that the class content is, you know, in, in chemistry is gonna be more, talking about more, uh, you know, you know what, what, dealing with racism and chemistry. It's really gotten pretty crazy. And those are the people that control the educational environment that controls the experts that controls the school districts. You got a lot of really nutty people that are just way, way out of touch. Now, when you talk about DIE, it's actually diversity, inclusion, and equity, D-I-E. It's, it's a death wheel. If you're focusing all of your attention on diversity, inclusion, and, and uh, equ uh, equity, uh, you're wasting time. If that's where you're spending your time, energy, and money and resources, you become a propaganda institute. It's not much different you're than North Korea. You're not teaching science and other things right. like math well, yeah, and science. Math, reading, writing, arithmetic. It's that simple. Most parents know that. Let the kids learn to think, but don't, especially in the younger grades, don't propagandize them. And then once you get into the high school, how about diversity of opinion? How about in the colleges? Have open-minded intellectual discussions at Hastings Law School. There's 50 students that yelled at a conservative speaker. They just kept yelling, you're a racist, you're a racist. It's been on a bunch of TV stations. These are law students, our future lawyers, our future judges, shouting and screaming so somebody couldn't have another point of view. That's who controls our school system. That needs to change. Now, one other thought is, let's say you get, let's say these thousand school districts, there's some change in them. Mm -hmm and more parents get involved. But California state, even the legislature, was critical of parents getting involved on the boards. Is there a way to make a change in California, even if you have all the grassroots school boards? Well, you're talking about a dramatic change in social and political evolution. We have an overwhelmingly one-party state. It's top-down. Governor Newsom is arrogant. Uh, he's living in a bubble. His kids went to private school. 
His kids never had to do anything that was uh, extraordinary like an ordinary middle class family. So he doesn't understand what most parents are going through. And the legislature is not made up of just Democrats, but the super progressive Democrat rules, absolutely controls. Once they see that there is a big change in school districts, they'll try to impose laws top down. We do have some California constitutional guarantees that give certain independence to these school districts. But in order to overthrow the progressive agenda, you gotta start someplace. Get those local elections, get a thousand new school board members that'll have great influence in their communities. And out of that, you'll get new leadership. You'll have a grassroots activity, highly networked, motivated, that it will start taking on the woke agenda because the woke agenda can't last very long. People are looking at it, they're critical. Most folks know there's something sick and bad that's going on with crime, that's going on with our schools, that's going on with housing in California, and they're tired of it. Now, do you think the politicians that are sitting in Sacramento and ruling the state, do you think they could look at this movement and change their policies, or do you think they're stuck with their policies and they're gonna continue them? Some politicians will say, oh my goodness, I better, I better look at this all over again. Most won't. Most, look, when you have a, let's say a Democrat district in Los Angeles, and there's an opening, there's no incumbent there for assembly, you got five people running of all varieties. Some are gonna be conservative businessmen, some of them will be uh, you know, feminists, some different varieties. But the progressives are going to coalesce usually behind one candidate to make sure that he gets the most money and funding and support to win in the primary, even if it's 30 or 35%, and then they get elected forever after that. So the key is getting that position. And originally, they only have to pay a, a certain amount of money just to get through the primary. Then they rule that territory for years thereafter. So that's uh, those people that are put in the politics that way owe all of their allegiance to the people that finance them to get elected. So they're gonna just go by those ideologies? They, they, they're inflexible. When you have a woke, progressive, angry, person that doesn't like America very much, doesn't respect the parents, considers them caregivers, um, doesn't, uh, thinks our society is rotten to the core, you got a bad person, there, there's no persuading that person, you just have to take them out of office, you just have to unelect them. Uh, and and it, it, there's no negotiation with somebody that is that hardcore. And that, that, you know, many of those people are running our school districts, especially the big ones, Oakland, terrible shape. Los Angeles, terrible shape. It's going to get to the point that even the parents in San Francisco, the most liberal area, finally have had enough. You, you interviewed one yourself. And when parents understand what's going on, big changes take place. Do you have any other thoughts for our audience? Well, I just think that this is a, one of those times that, you know, if you're listening to this program and similar programs, if you read Epic Times like I do, you get frustrated sometimes and you say, gosh, you know, why don't these politicians, why doesn't that person, why, why can't it change? Well, this is a rare opportunity. Why don't you, person that's angry, you know, banging your fist on the armchair, why don't you do something? Either make a commitment to run yourself 
or find somebody, recruit somebody, a real person, a neighbor, a leader, maybe a veteran, I don't care, somebody that's high quality and urge them to run. And that you can actually start affecting change. You don't need to feel powerless. You don't need to give up. You don't need to buy into conspiracies. You can actually get it done. It's real. Sean Steele, former California GOP chair. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you. See you, Mark. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Great, great production. I appreciate it.